the target of this optimization is focused on the most expensive part of this process, which is picking. So the nice thing of simulation, in my case, is actually already simulate some edge cases. It's very important to, uh, for, for me as well, to, to get uh, those optimal strategies out. Uh, what we would like to know with the, the digital twins, so if we have a simulation of the full warehouse, is to see the effect of one decision, not only on the next step, but on five steps after that. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you, peeking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. And again, we have a new sheet for a fresh new episode. Today we take another uh, look, a fresh perspective on data science for logistics, simulation. In earlier episodes of the podcast, we talked about related topics, uh, at least related to data science and to logistics, uh, forecasting and the crafting of a picking algorithm, all using data science. Yes, and with the guests of this episode, we dive into two specific challenges in the warehousing domain. Uh, we call them cost-based selection. Uh, the first one and the second one is the put away with the simulation as the red line, as Petrol already mentioned. And yeah, I remembered from the first time being in the warehouse that I found it really strange that mm-hmm. all the goods were placed at random throughout the warehouse. I expected it to be like more like a store where you find all the Lego and Playmobil in one place and in the other area you will, you will find all the mobile phones. But in, in our warehouse you will find it all in, in different uh, areas, different spots, same iPhone all on, on 10, 20 different locations. Uh, but I, th- I think our guest of the show knows more about this stuff. So uh, yeah, time to introduce them, uh, Petrbal. Yeah, so today we have uh, Christiane Wisse. She's a data scientist at Bol.com. And she's a professional doctorate in engineering at the Hieronymus Academy of Data Science. Um, and we have uh, Charles Delo, a data scientist in logistics at Bol.com, uh, with an interesting background. Of a, he's a master in uh, criminology. Uh, and um, yeah, he moved uh, during his uh, work life more to data science. And he did a semester in the National University of Singapore. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, before we dive into the into the topic, uh, since the previous uh, data science uh, episodes of our podcast, we also changed a little bit uh, on the setup in of data science in uh, uh, Uh Yeah, can you tell us a little about that? Uh? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, previously, data science uh, was organized or yeah, uh, better said, was not organized. There was a lot of lone wolves in the organization and they couldn't really find each other. Uh, and then we sort of centralized every data scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the organization uh, is so big and data science is becoming so important that we decided to spread out uh, to the domains. And in that spreading out, uh, the decision was made to also place us within the IT department. And for us, this wasn't a big change because uh, Christiane, me, uh, Luke and Peter, the four data scientists at uh, Logistics, we were already in an IT team. So uh, this was not a very big change for us, but uh, yeah, it's very good to uh, to work with IT. So 
that's very very nice yeah, it's very cool and i think also decentralization that was uh, the idea was to to mature the data science uh, capability within bold.com it's very good to see that we were able to get to a uh, yeah a more mature level of data science and we're doing all this cool stuff uh, with it nowadays and that's uh, yeah basically now we can move to a decentralized uh, setup again uh, where we still uh, have a, a mature uh, data science uh, capability very cool to see that uh, yeah I, I think this is an ongoing process right you see, you see a sort of centralization <laughs> and the decentralization and we might also go from here to like a more centralized data science unit within the logistics i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if, if that it turns out to be the future actually well we see in one of our next episodes <laughs> <laughs> like uh, 40 or something like that i don't know <laughs> yeah, well, one question left for you Charlie. You, you said uh, the, um, uh, you're were, you were already in an it team what other capabilities are in that it team to make uh, data science uh, uh, successful so in 5p you mean my my it yes yeah. um so this is quite a special team because luke uh the first data scientist uh actually well yeah you could say the first one actually landing within logistics he was already a part of that team so there are now two data scientists in that team uh, and you can really notice this because he really laid the groundwork for for me so it's more easy for me to to sort of uh, talk to the software engineers and uh, get things done and we really see a sort of experimentation, continuous experimentation in the team, uh, which is very typical for data scientists. So as a software engineer, you typically you build something and you have a very clear goal and you can make a sprint and then, you know, everything is nice and clear. And for data scientists, we often have to try and fail and then try again and then retrain. And it's, it can be quite frustrating for someone that's not used to that. And what I especially like about this is that your uh, the time to production is way shorter because you work with people that um, know everything about the service um, and they also know everything about um, yeah putting a service live. So it's very interesting uh, for us to be a part of such a team. Yeah, agree. Okay, so yeah, we have two interesting cases uh, basically uh, uh, today. Yeah, let's let's introduce uh, the cases to the listeners. Christiana? Yes, that's fine. Um, yeah, so I'm working on cost-based selection. And what cost-based selection is doing is we always had a sourcing strategy at Bol. And that basically means somebody's placing order on the web shop. And then what our service is doing, it decides to what warehouse uh, we're going to send the order because we have multiple mm-hmm. warehouses. And what transporter is going to deliver the deliver the order to the customer? Uh, and normally we had a lot of business rules that were um, yeah selecting the best option, uh, but now we are replacing that with cost-based selection, and it's already in the name. But what we do is we uh, pick the cheapest option to source an order. And again, sourcing an order means for us that um, we add a warehouse to an order and we add a transporter to an order. And um, so in cost-based selection, I'm working on that together with uh, an IT team, as I already uh, mentioned. And uh, the main idea is that now with cost-based selection, we are uh, ev- evaluating all possible options to source it. And we basically or simply choose uh, the cheapest option, um, which is yeah, working until so far uh, 
pretty well and there's a huge potential uh, there because yeah, we started with business rules but there are so many exceptions and uh, there's capacity management in the warehouses and with cost-based selection we can better implement um, yeah, all those exceptions and cho- still choose the uh, cheapest option which works great so far so can you, can you give an example of, of uh, some variables that, that influence the, the sourcing for, for uh, an order the customer made? Uh, basically, when everything goes nice and smoothly, we um, we check where the item is on stock, because if an item is not on stock at a warehouse, you can simply not source it from there. And we check which um, transporters are available to source the item uh, based on the preferences of the of the customer. And when everything goes nice and smoothly, we have that. And in many cases, the same warehouse is always ch- cheaper and the same transporter is also always cheaper. But unfortunately, we do not have uh, unlimited capacity at our warehouses. So it might very well happen that yeah, some lines, pick or pack lines are uh, occupied. So we cannot use it or something breaks down. Or um, another interesting thing is we always... In the old algorithm, we always try to put as much together in one box. So if you if you can if you order multiple items, it's always better. We thought it was always better to put it together in one box because that's cheaper. You have only uh, need to send a uh, yeah package once instead of twice. Uh, and now with the new algorithm, it turns out that there are many other um, yeah. For example, warehouse costs. There are many other components that are also adding costs to. An order, and then in some cases it's not even cheaper to send in one uh, in one order. And there are examples, uh, there are a lot of exceptions uh, on this, which makes it very interesting also for us to see the results. That's really interesting because I, b- I believe that our, uh, if you're not aware of the, the things that are behind the screens, that sometimes you see on social media the question from a customer that says, okay, I, I, I did one order, but I get three packages from Bold.com. Why is that? So this can be uh, the, the case. And we have more warehouses, but we, but even within the same warehouse, you say we can ship uh, three packages instead of one. Because yeah, it's, for example, if uh, yeah. if a package fits in a mailbox, then it's also cheaper to to send uh, to send a package. So then sometimes we make that decision. Um, but this is also raising another discussion uh, discussion because of course I'm a I'm a data scientist, so I look at the cheapest option. But uh, we have a lot of discussions with people from business because maybe sending three packages is cheaper, but there are also people at home that are do not like it or the pressure on the environment uh, when exactly. we send more items is also not uh, desirable. Yeah. So there are very interesting, uh, yeah, ex- again, exceptions uh, on this uh, that we would like to include in our model. Check a bit from... from uh a certain angle, uh, also the, the the pressure from about the environment and things like that. That that can be fitted in like a cost or something in the end in the model, right? Yeah, that's a, what we uh, would like to. And it's also very hard because yeah, exactly. Transportation <laughs> cost. It's very black and white. You just yeah. know what you pay to Postenau, for example. But yeah, what's the exact value of that? If you need to explain that in cost, it's very hard. A bit interesting. So we're working on that. Yeah. And, and there's, uh, I think, like a dynamic component involved because uh, each warehouse in each line within a warehouse has a certain capacity for that day or uh, a few hours of a day. But of course, this vary over the day because of the number that other uh, of other customers that are already there. And so there's there's some dynamics in the model as well. 
Yes, and this makes it very interesting also from a data science point of view because creating a list of all possible options and picking the cheapest one, it's, okay, don't underestimate it from IT complexity, but it's it's uh, already quite hard, but there's not too much, uh, too much yeah, smart innovations there yet. Uh, but when we in the future can also take into account how busy it is at a warehouse and also what's, what's the forecast for the rest of the day? Do we expect many orders to come in or not? And if we can all take that into account in our decision making, because maybe one warehouse you expect that, that it will get overloaded at the end of the day, maybe you can now already make a decision proactively to send it to another warehouse. Um, yeah, and that's from a data science perspective, yeah, a very nice challenge to work on. For very, yeah. Okay. And the other case, is that quite as challenging or it's the easy <laughs> one? <laughs> no, I wouldn't dare to say it's easy. No, it's, uh, <laughs> there, there's a reason why we uh, we did things uh, randomly, actually, uh, Peter. Uh, you mentioned that you were surprised, right? When you first came into the warehouse and you looked around and everything was, was uh, distributed. Um, actually, it's it's not that weird that it's that it's spread out. Uh, at first, I also thought like, oh, this is weird. But when you think about it, we have a lot of small items. Uh, we have, I think, 30 million products. Uh, there, there's a huge, huge diversity there, and you want to sort of be efficient in picking when uh, when combining them. So you need to spread them out. But what is surprising is that we do that randomly, uh, or actually, we did that randomly. So uh, randomness is uh, random. <laughs> so you get uh, some uh, very strange clusters if you do things randomly, not efficient at all. Um, so in that sense, it uh, made uh, you know it made more sense to to start doing that in an uh, intelligent way. And uh, we actually tried this already a few times before. Uh, I think two years ago there was was the was also an initiative that tried this, but there's a lot of complexity involved because uh, once you do this, you start to run into all kinds of issues with operators that now need to, you know, be directed to certain locations. Uh, we need to think about the picking routes that uh, are changing now, um, and that that's what makes it very complex. So uh, we need to start to think about the whole process, uh, which is also why it's so important to sort of incorporate other uh other areas of the warehouse as well in this logic so the idea would be to sort of start here and then so slowly start to incorporate more and more and more of the warehouse in this logic until everybody knows like okay we're gonna put this there because then that stuff happens and then that stuff happens and then in the end uh, christiana is going to you know pick it up with her logic and we can all work together that's the that's the dream yeah, so that's that's when you incorporate the whole chain of of uh, steps exactly. in in the in the in the data science uh, process. But you say uh, and to make it efficient, what what does that mean for when you say that uh, for putting things away in the warehouse? When when yeah. when is it efficient? So we did a few uh, simulations actually, uh, which uh, so in the old in the old times we would have to put stuff in the warehouse and then let operators pick it and then count the time, you know, like uh, how long does it take to uh, for the for the order pickers to uh, pick all these uh, items up and then sort of make a total and then say, okay, it's more efficient to put it 
like this versus to put it in some other way. Um, instead, what we did was we ran the, uh, the Pac-Man algorithm, which uh, was discussed in, in an earlier episode of yours. Yeah. And we just uh, changed the stock file. So we uh, started to run simulations where, you know, you change the stock file of a zone in the warehouse. For instance, you put every popular article in the same place, or you put all the small items together, or all the, uh, well, you can think about a number of variables there. And then you uh, simply run a simulation, thereby saving, well, I can say thousands of dollars worth of uh, operating uh, uh, costs and uh, be very very efficient about it so this is something that uh, that the uh, predecessor uh, of me already uh, uh, did and we're trying to make it as smart as uh, as possible uh, uh, now by uh, incorporating more logic and uh, like i said more areas of the warehouse so so one item that you improve is the, is the uh, the movements the, the operators make in the warehouse right correct but I thought I thought also the other one was to to optimize the the number of items we can store, right? Is is that also true? That, that's uh, that's an interesting one um, because uh, that was one of the uh, of the targets of one of the you know like two years ago uh, they tried uh, to to incorporate that as well. Um, the complexity then goes from from 10 to uh, to 200, so to say. So uh, if you start to incorporate like stock files into your optimization, uh, so then you need to calculate each time an operator tries to pick up an article, what would be, for instance, the, the uh, sorry, if, if, if you try to calculate what would be the best place for an operator to put away an article, then you would have to recalculate not only the stock file, so where to put it so it's most efficient, but also the route of the operator, so where does he need to walk. The operator may then also need to search for the uh, item in his tote, which is a very cost costly uh, process. Like, so yeah. there's a lot of things involved, uh, and we learned a lot from history as well while doing this, uh, that, that you need to think about. You, you The target of this optimization is focused on the most expensive part of this process, which is picking. So you can imagine put away is cheap, you know, you, you throw stuff in, but then someone needs to pick individual items up because the customer using Christiane's, uh, uh, you know, uh, sourcing algorithm uh, uh, orders an item, and that's a very expensive process. So you need to make that as efficient as possible. Okay, uh, interesting. Yeah, so what... Um uh, you already mentioned that you started simulation. Uh, why is simulation such a good uh, approach for the for the problems in these cases? Uh, I think for my case, it's maybe even a bit different than from uh, Shadow's case, because um, as I explained, um, the, the service, the cost-based selection strategy, mm -hmm. uh, is deciding uh, to what warehouse we send an order, mm -hmm. and um, we plan to go live with our new strategy in some months. Um, and what happens if we do not do simulation? Then we go live and maybe one warehouse turns out to be always cheaper than the other warehouse because the warehouse is more automated. So there's not too much um, manual work involved. And uh, then we go live with our new algorithm and suddenly it turns out that we sent all orders to one warehouse and nothing to the other. Uh, very extreme case, but let's say it might happen. Um, 
And that's a crucial decision because uh, there are many, many people at uh, Ball working very hard to um, on operations to make sure that all items that people are ordering at the website are delivered the same day uh, or the next day, uh, to yeah. at least uh, to their expectations. And if then we decide to do something totally different, then we run into problems because that one warehouse can never deal with the, the load that we put on that warehouse. So it's crucial to know beforehand what will happen when we go live. And, and there are many more ways, but one way of doing that is running simulations. So we know already what our new strategy is doing. We simulate a day. So we say tomorrow we expect these orders to come in. We can simulate and we already know beforehand what will happen. And there are more uh, ways of doing that uh, besides from simulation. Um, for example, what we do is shadow running. So um, before going live, we actually already use the old algorithm, but are not using the decisions. So we know the decisions that uh, the new strategy is making, but we are not using the, the, um, the decisions. We can compare what are we doing different? Is everything going well? And that works, but still you can only do that for things that really happen. So you can do that for today and then tomorrow you can analyze what we did different. But what if it's Black Friday will come and we know that there are many, many orders coming in. How is our algorithm dealing with that? If we do only shadow running, we can only know that after Black Friday and that's basically too late. So the nice thing of simulation in my case is uh, one reason is to actually already simulate some edge cases or some, um, yeah, some edge cases. And the other very nice thing is that, uh, and that's also the same case for a shuttle, um, but that we can evaluate strategies. So we know what our new strategy is doing in the simulation. We know what the old strategy was doing. We can, and then we can evaluate based on cost, based on capacity, if we did a better job. And the nice thing is that you can also um, simulate multiple versions of cost-based selection. So what if if we make one specific, if we change one specific parameter, for example, uh, what's the effect of changing that parameter? Um, and that are things that we um, that we can do with simulation without going live, because with going live there are many uh, people involved. Also from IT perspective, there are many people counting on. Some uh, on the solutions we uh, we're having, and with simulation we can do that easily offline without bothering any on the other any other service, which is very valuable in in many cases actually. Exactly. So, uh, in a way, uh, and to put very simply, the simulation is basically uh, an enormous test case yeah, <laughs> for the, the things that you came up with, and we can an enormous test case. But you also can handle a lot of edge cases and basically send, uh, yeah, uh, lots of different scenarios already and an enormous amount of data already through the system to see how it's actually holding and whether it actually uh, comes to the results that we hoped for and what happens if we tweak a little, if it then still gets good results. Uh, so basically how sensitive is it is to certain settings for parameters. It's things like that, right? Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Cool. Very cool. It, it was a little different for your case, Charles. I thought, right? Well, I, I, you know, I can, I can uh, underline what what Christiana said just now. Like, it's very important to uh, for for me as well to to get uh, 
those optimal strategies out. I think that's maybe a little more important for me, maybe, I, I don't know, like uh, in this situation. Um, and what, you know, what you also could do is, of course, train models with, with simulation, which is uh, mm -hmm. which something that uh, that we also hope to do in the in the future. Currently, we're still like mostly using it for uh, you know, evaluating and seeing mm -hmm. whether a strategy works. But uh, with reinforcement learning, uh, the possibilities are definitely there also in the future, maybe. Uh, but the first thing I think would be to increase the simulation. So now Christiana has a small simulation, I have a small simulation, but it would be very nice if we can create some sort of digi digital twin to, to the warehouse that can sort of simulate the whole warehouse. And that way there's not a local optimum, but there is actually a, a global optimum which we can reach. That would be very cool. Exactly, because that was also uh, uh, like a few decades ago when I was still in university, we used like simulation to check, for example, uh, bottlenecks and, and things like that. So you modeled, for example, an assembly line or things like that, and you were when searching for bottlenecks and or, uh, I don't know, uh, fault tolerances, stuff, stuff like that. Is, is it is the, the, the ideas and the, let's say, the technology used still the same for this simulation or is there something completely different and new that I missed in these decades basically? I think the, the at least the, the basics are still the same. I think the purpose or what we use it for is for now we uh, independent of what surface or what part in the process you're working on that what we, uh, what we would like to know with the, the digital twins so if we have a simulation of the full warehouse is to see the effect of one decision, not only on the next step, but on five steps after that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very interesting for us. And by doing that, I think we still use the same logic as you did while you were looking for, for bottlenecks. I think it's uh, something you could definitely also, uh, it's also a use case of that, that simulation. But I think the, the main idea is the same because the, the process at Bold, the logistical process, if you simplify it a lot, it are basically steps. Somebody places an order, an order um, is going to a warehouse, the warehouse, some items are picked, then uh, items are going to a pack line, and then it goes to a transporter and it's delivered to the customer. And um, for example, in the simulation that I am making for the cost-based selection strategy, I know when an order comes in, to what warehouse we send the order. But what I'm mainly interested in is maybe, what's the effect of sending all those orders to a warehouse on the capacity at, for example, a pack line. And I cannot very easily say that because that also very much depends at where are the items located. So for example, Shadow's case, so the the picking algorithm, um, yeah, that depends on the input input from putput. And so to see the effect at the end of the chain, um, that's very useful. Uh, that's what we would like to use the, the big simulation for. And I seriously believe that the logic is the same as what you um, did some years ago in university. Yeah. And because this is a tech podcast, I maybe should add that we do everything in Python. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that may be a big difference. Hey, back then when I was was doing the <laughs> yeah never did that stuff in Python that's true. Um, but what I learned also that that your your uh, simulation is a way to to learn about the model you're you're dealing with. So 
also the, the visualization of the results in your simulation are uh, playing a vital role. Uh, how, how do you uh, deal with that? How do you provide visuals for these things? Uh, can I maybe? Yeah, so uh, actually like uh, I made a small uh, uh, GIF or GIF. I don't know what the English word is for, for GIF, but uh, a GIF, I guess, to the, that sort of visualizes the the different locations we have in the zone, and then basically just using color, uh, showing where different stuff is uh, being put away, and mm -hmm. it's uh, it's very cool because it gives you a very nice overview to uh, to something that's very complex. Like uh, if you want to explain that in a number. Just uh, a mistake that uh, I made very often in my career. Like, okay, I will just present present it as a number, and then a lot of people look at you and they look confused. Uh, you start to build like basically what is a scatter plot, but then you use the scatter plot as a visualization. Mm -hmm. but, uh, that's something that I I use a lot. Yeah. Mm. Let's see if we can make that part of the show notes, the, the GIF uh, you're yeah. referring to. Oh, that cool, yeah. I, 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 I had a look at it, and it's really interesting. So uh, maybe we can uh, put it online as well. So people, uh, can, people can have a look at it. Yeah. Um, I have one question because uh, knowing from the warehouse, there there's a lot of, um, hey, you're talking about simulation and based on simulations, you want to influence the the, the sourcing or where, where things are put away. But we, we also have a control room and the control room is also dealing with yeah, what's really happening on the floor and managing uh, where load is going, etc. How do these things cooperate with each other your your model in the in the part of as being part of the software and what the control room is doing i think it's um we can use it as basically an extension of uh, their knowledge because they are definitely experts in the field they know everything about um yeah, when a specific situation happens, uh, what should we do? Because they have indeed many um, switches and things they can use to make sure that everything fits in the same day. So all, they can source uh, early ship uh, all the orders that, uh, um, that they should do uh, for that day. But I think we can, can help them because um, yeah, one example that we were also uh, working on is we have the two warehouses and... There is a switch within um, the cost-based selection strategy that if it gets very uh, loaded in one warehouse, they can put a switch on and they send everything that's possible to another warehouse. And luckily they have this because um, they know when to use it. Because what, but what we, um, yeah, they can use it and they see the effect. But they would never know what would have happened if they didn't do that. And I think with the simulation we can help them. Um, to see the effect, if they didn't use the switch, then now we can also calculate what ha what would happen. And um, I would assume that it uh, probably will not fit because that was what the the control room uh, already thought. But maybe there are maybe they could put a switch on one hour later or maybe one hour before it. And I think this tool can really help them to gain more knowledge on on the system and not only trial and error. Uh, in a real situation, but to trial and error in uh, in the simulation. So, 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 what you say is, uh, they have, there's a gut feeling about uh, right now we should put on the switch, uh, yes or no? Mm -hmm. But 
making use of this simulation, uh, they can uh, improve their gut feeling and and make a better solution, uh, better yeah. decision. Yeah. yeah, that's really nice. Another example is maybe uh, that's something that we didn't work on, but it's work from another data scientist. Look, is the the WES. Uh, it, it it basically gives information about when you should batch uh, a certain uh, uh, number of pickers. So to 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 say to a lot of pickers, like a lot of operators, okay, now you should start picking these items. If you wait too long, then of course you get trouble uh, in the end of the day. If you wait too short, then there's not an optimum route. Then there's not you know you have the very bad routes uh, if you if you do that. So there needs to be this very, very thin, specific point where you say, okay, now you start you start picking. And uh, of course you can do this by experience and we see that the, 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 they are doing a fantastic job, uh, but like we can also give advice uh, based on simulation on, okay, maybe you can do it between those two timeframes because that makes most sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there needs to basically to be a, a minimum order of a number of orders already to be uh, to make an efficient uh, route for the for the pickers. That's exactly. Exactly. Hey, and and we're mentioning um, we have to go at some point for we're learning from simulation, but we also have to I think adapt either the model or the the the, the logic that's there in the software to uh, yeah accommodate for the insights that we get from the. Uh, simulation. How is that uh, arranged within the teams you're working in? So uh, I think now currently we're we are all separated, so we're all working in different teams. Mm. Um, and I think the next step would definitely be to sort of start working together. So to mm -hmm. start to all combine those simulations. And once we get there, then we can say, okay, now we can start thinking about maybe models and retrain them based on those uh, those global uh, insights, uh, mm -hmm. the, the global optimums. And that's really exciting stuff, uh, but re also really advanced and really difficult stuff because, uh, you know, there's a lot of theoretically everything is possible, but uh, in uh, in practice, you see a lot of lot of, you know, uh, red lights when you try something in the in the in the warehouse. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely the the horizon for us, you know, like there's there's a lot of cool stuff lying ahead of us. The data quality at Bold.com is exceptional in my opinion, like it's, it's very, very good. So we have definitely got the tools to finally get there, but uh, we still need to grow. That's that's something that we need to do, like as a data science within logistics, we still need to get more experience, connect those uh, different projects that we're working on and then start to build something that uh, that can actually do this. And to, to add to that, um, we are all now, the four data scientists in logistics are now all working in our own team. And as we already mentioned, uh, what would be great is if we have a digital twin of the full warehouse. And of course, we all have our own stakeholders. So I will inform the my IT team um, about the benefits and the use cases. Shadow will do this in, uh, in his team and everybody will do that. But I think what it's also very important for us is to raise a bit of yeah, awareness, maybe not a good word, but uh, that people know that we can do this. That if people have questions that we can answer with our simulation, that we people find us and we find those people because that 
And the podcast here is already helping, so thanks for the <laughs> invitation. But, uh, You're welcome. <laughs> I think that there are way more use cases that we can already uh, think about with the four of us. I'm thinking the other way around as well, but the, because there are, when you want to, to have this overarching uh, simulation of, of everything, uh, there's so much parameters inside. How do you decide what parameters you want to include and what do you want to exclude because it's just too much how do, how do you do that how does that work uh, yeah so, so uh, for data science there's this traditional drawing i guess that that sort of shows which which uh, elements influence the data scientist and there's the it compartment of course which uh, we are now in and then there's uh, of course also the the business logic and then there's statistics and the second one, the business logic, that's actually where you need those domain knowledge experts. You know, you need to know which variables are important. You need to understand what happens in the warehouse. This is also where I think data science differs most from like IT. Like, you know, like the, it, it's very, very important that we really, really understand like what is the end goal of something. And then we try stuff and then a lot of stuff doesn't work out because we don't know what will work. And then we sort of restart the whole process. But in order for us to be successful, we really have to understand, okay, what is the goal? We cannot like focus on a small process. We really have to understand, okay, this is what you want to reach. This is where the organization wants to go. And from that, we can then start to build experiments, not the other way around. Yeah. And does this also translate in that, that with simulation, for example, you're doing experiments like uh, yeah, I determine, I, I look at it like, like determining price elasticity. So like parameter elasticity, elasticity. So how much will it affect my model if I start tweaking this button? <laughs> Do you have something like this? That? I, um, yeah, I, I, at least I, I think so. I don't know if I totally understand your question, but yeah, you, we have a strategy and we all think that that strategy works and then we always try to what if we do it a bit different? What's the effect? And exactly. is this what you what you mean? Yeah, yes, also, also if you have like 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 let's say that you have five input parameters, mm -hmm. and 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 you start changing one, and yeah, there's a little effect, and you start changing the other, there's a big effect, and yeah. you have to know for each of these parameters if there's a large or small effect, or that they are uh, working together or not, uh, stuff like like that. Do you investigate things like that as well? Yeah, right now, and I think that that relates a bit to what um, Shadow already said about um, some very cool things that, uh, that at least for the future, uh, we are thinking about it would be mm -hmm. very interesting to do so. Because right now we have a simulation, we can put something in and we get something out. So exactly what you're yeah. saying, but to find that, for example, price elasticity, we need to try on error because you put something in, you get something out, you do it a bit higher. And... A step that we, yeah, we could would at least be very interesting, and there's a lot of uh, investigation about that also outside uh, Bob.com, is to use the simulation to find the optimal value itself. So to train a model that gives the best strategy to you, and not that you do try and error and then finally find it, find it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that would be okay. So now we're working on some simulations and. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interest from within Bob, and I also believe it's very valuable. The next step is to create a full digital twin. And then, yeah, after that, we could um, 
yeah, at least we are dreaming about such a, <laughs> <laughs> such a thing. Great. It would be great. Very interesting, at least. Yeah. But complex, yeah, that's uh, true. Complex, yes. Okay, hey, yeah, timing is already uh, running out. Uh, so, Pet Paul. I thought I had my uh, my questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your question. Yes. So yeah, let's go to the closing round. So to to summarize uh, uh, for our listeners, could you share the most important takeaway uh, for them? Uh, I, oh yeah, yeah, you shot. <laughs> um, for me, it would be from a practical perspective, at least uh, start small. Of course, you were thinking this all started with what if we had a digital twin? Um, but what I really experienced was if you start really small, so with many, many assumptions, uh, maybe or generalize some uh, information, you could already get quite some insights and then step by step, you can make it better. But also along the way, you already get a lot of valuable information, which is very useful for business already, even before. Uh, you reach the digital twin, which was maybe our end goal. Um, so, yeah, start small and share already your findings along the way would uh, be my takeaway. I, I would like to, uh, to, to add to that, like uh, starting, you know, like with the smallest experiment. So the experiments is, are the key thing for me, like testing uh, digitally makes uh, everything so much smoother, like versus testing in real life in the in the actually warehouse that we, we can actually think about much uh, much smarter strategies uh, because we can do simulation so that's really the key takeaway like simulation makes innovation possible and much cheaper uh, yeah. yeah thanks thanks for your time and I really find it interesting to to learn from you that that we also use simulation to train the models already, so that you that you run faster. I, I believe to 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 train the models uh, and, and make them better. Uh, really insightful, and also yeah, some more insight in how logistics works in in, in Bull.com. I, I find it always interesting to see the the warehouse uh, in real life, but but also these kinds of insights are really uh, helpful to uh, yeah to give, to, to give this peek behind the screen. So, uh, so thanks for your time and. Uh, yeah, I, I must also say it's triggering a lot of new questions. <laughs> Maybe uh, yeah, we have to dive a bit deeper in, in specific topics, but but uh, that that's cool for us to to um, have a reductional perspective from the podcast. We can uh, we can extract new items from it. So uh, thanks for your uh, insight. <laughs> no worries. Been a pleasure. And we have one small message from the crew. We, uh, Peter Paul and I, will spend uh, the month of August on our holidays, so no new episodes in August. So uh, listen back one of the old ones and stay tuned for the new ones already planned for September about personal productivity or the social technical architecture or SRE. So see you in September. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a 5-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun! <laughs>